0: say, thank you. Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would speak to our hearts today. And Father, more importantly, we ask that you would help us to be open to you speaking. Guys, we come to church and we pursue you. We try to live according to your will and your ways. Lord, so many times we We just don't know what that means. And Lord, if there's a hunger and a thirst for anyone in this room to know you more, to walk with you, to grow closer in their relationship with you, God, I pray that they would invite you in right now and ask for your Holy Spirit to just flood their hearts and their minds. Because in order for us to change, We need you to do that. Lord, everything in us clings to comfort and clings to the constant. But God, you want to shape us and mold us and change us. And so God, we invite you in to change us today. Jesus, we we pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, I lift up Miss Patel to you. Lord, we just continue to pray for Noah Ezel and Donna Edmonds. Lord, we thank you for letting their surgeries go well. And we just ask you to continue to be with them, Lord, that they both would be able to come home today as planned. Father, we pray for Miss Tina Johnson. And God, that you would continue to be with her and help her to heal quickly. And Lord, for all of our other brothers and sisters, Lord, we lift them up to you today. Because we all need you. That's the whole idea of coming here is because we all need you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to submit to your will and your way and to do all that we can to bring glory and honor to your name in this life. We love you today. We thank you so much for everything that you bless us with. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name and all God's people said. Well, it is good to see you this morning, and we are starting our new series today, and our our series is going to be on stewardship over the next several weeks. And stewardship is kind of a tricky thing because it's it's a little bit of a, a fancy word, Um, many of you have probably heard it. If you've been raised in church your whole life, if you've uh, any knowledge of scripture, you've probably heard about stewardship. You've at least heard other people talk about it. You may not have a great concept of what it is. And you know, it's a good possibility that some of you might be here, Dan, you may have never heard the term before. And so you're just like, well, I don't really know what that word means. But stewardship is something that every one of us have been called to as believers in Christ. That, that we are stewards uh, of God's creation, uh, of everything that, that God has, has given to us as human beings. And for us to sit here this morning, and if, and if there's a hunger and thirst in your life to pursue Christ, to, to live righteously, to have the righteousness of God in you, then you need to understand the calling on your life to be a good steward. And not just a good steward, but to be an exemplary steward. Because God has called every one of us to use the things of this world, the blessings that He gives us, everything that we have, in order to glorify and honor Him. And as as we start this, I want to communicate with you, I don't believe that we can be pleasing to God. I don't believe that we can worship God Without us being good stewards, I don't think it's possible because it goes into everything. And we talk about this, we talk about this in staff meetings, and we talked about this several years ago a good bit. But your personal worship, how you live your life personally, your worship of God personally, day in and day out, directly affects the corporate worship of our church. And you can read many, many passages of Scripture that talk about when people bring sin into the camp, and when people commit sins, that it affects everyone around them. And so for us to even be gathered here this morning, our personal worship, how we steward the things that God has blessed us with and given us, is going to greatly affect not only our personal lives and our families, but even the people around us as a church, as a whole. Even when we gather together to bring honor and glory to God, it will affect that if we're poor stewards. Now, to help you get an understanding of how important it is to be a good steward, you know, typically I will tell you, okay, well, like, you know, as I'm researching this and I start pulling up different verses and trying to figure out, like, how we're going to go about this and laying out the, the, the sermon series and what verses we're going to use, you know, I'll tell you, oh, they were like, you know, 30 different verses or 100 different verses. As I was looking up stewardship and starting to research this, there are over 2,300 different verses that directly pertain to us being called as stewards of God. On how we manage the things that we are given in this life in order to glorify and honor God. Over 2,300 verses. And I want to tell you this morning, as we're talking about stewardship, yes, money is a part of stewardship. We are going to talk about money eventually. It's going to be on September 17th. Make sure I get the day right so you can put that on your calendar and not come if you don't want to come that day. Because I, I, I want to... Communicate clearly that we're, we're not after your money. I don't care about your money. I've been pastor for five years now. I've never preached on money, and we've done just fine. You with me? And that's not bragging. The Lord has been really good to us. The Lord has spoken to people's hearts. One of the things, there's only one person in this church that knows what anyone gives And as I meet with that person and we develop our budget every year for the beginning of the year, one of the things that he constantly communicates is more people are giving, more people are giving more than they used to, and even our younger people are giving, which is awesome. And we haven't had to talk about it, okay? So we're going to talk about money because money is a part of stewardship. Money might be the most important thing in your life, but it's not the most important thing to God. It's just a part of how God wants you to honor him. So, as we talk about this over the next several weeks, stay with us. Don't get caught up on this thing. Always going to talk about money like we're going to talk about it because it's an important part of life. But we're talking about all aspects of stewardship, and God has called you to be a steward, an exemplary steward, in more than just your finances. Okay? Uh, We're looking at time. We're looking at people, we're looking at ministry, we're looking at job, at, at our work, we're, we're looking at all kinds of different stuff we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. But today's sermon is really just to kind of help you get an understanding of what stewardship is. And so if we could just kind of sum it up in one sentence for you, if you want to write this down, I don't know if it's on the screen or not, I can't see the screen, but if it's on the screen, you can copy it down. If not, write this down. But just kind of a sentence of helping you understand what stewardship is is the understanding that we are not owners of anything, but we are managers with the responsibility of managing the assets of God according to His will for His glory. And our focus passage this morning is Psalm 24, verses 1 through 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen. But I wanted to use this because David writes this psalm And I really enjoy reading about King David because, number one, King David messed up a lot. There was a lot of sin in David's life, so you can kind of relate to him. Um, But also, David was extraordinarily um, hungering and thirsting after God in many facets of his life, and God honors that. So as we read this psalm this morning, I want you to understand that David was said to be a man after God's own heart, but the title was not given to him by someone else, but the title was given to him by God. So as God chose David to be the next king of Israel, he said, I've rejected, he tells Samuel, I've rejected Saul and I've chosen someone else to be the next king of Israel, a man who is after my own heart. And so for David to be considered by God a man after his own heart probably has an understanding of God that we can all benefit and learn from. Okay? So this is Psalm 24 verses one through six as David writes about Lord and worshiping Him. So it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For He laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you in your presence, O God of Jacob. And so as we look at this passage today, you know, obviously we're focusing on stewardship. So one of the first things that we have to understand if we want to be good stewards in this life is point number one, we own nothing we own nothing. And that's very contrary to what we have been taught in this life. As many people uh, claim ownership over many different things. And I want to tell you this morning, if you really sit down and you think about this, even from a philosophical point of view, like from a worldly point of view, you can come to the understanding of we own nothing. Like you can get there. Because even the simple aspect of you may have something in your possession at a moment in time. <clears throat> you, you may have like, like ownership over this thing for a moment in time. But even if you keep it for your entire life, someone's going to own it after you. Someone's going to possess it after you do. And so even the ability for us to claim, on, claim ownership over something is temporary. And it's so much better if you come to this understanding from a spiritual point of view. To just understand, like, the way that God has created the heavens and the earth, the way that God has created life, the way that God has created wealth, and the way that wealth changes. I mean, like, we were talking about it just a few minutes ago because we have someone in, in, in here who's, whose kids are looking to buy a house right now. It's like, who would have known? seven years ago, what the housing market would be like? How many of you would have took out and got as big of a loan as you could and bought up as many houses as you could seven years ago if you knew what houses were going to sell for now? It's like everything changes. And only God knows and can orchestrate and give according to His will and His ways. And to understand where that comes from and how little of control we have over that is very significant. So you can come to it from a philosophical point of view, but you can it's way better if you come at it from a a spiritual standpoint, a spiritual point of view, for God to reveal that to you. Because it will benefit your life greatly when you understand that that we are stewards and we really don't own anything. And and there's probably some people in the in the room right now, it's like well, I own stuff. My name's on the deed. My name's on the title. It's mine, you go to the court, you look up the records, my name's on it, it's mine. It's like, yeah, that may be true, but you stop paying your taxes on it and see what happens. Because there's an organization and a government who is also laying claim to everything that you have. And if you cease to do your part in managing it according to their preferences, they will take it from you and then give it to someone else to manage you with me? And you think that, oh, this is, uh, this is one of those things like, oh, well, whatever. But you think about a fire. And how much you say, oh, man, like, th- this is my home, this is my stuff, everything I own. It's like a fire can take it away like that. And many people have fallen victims to having everything they have taken at a moment's notice. And it doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. Stuff just happens, and it's gone like that. The car you love so much could be gone in a wreck on the way home today. It might be your job, but if you no-call and no-show for a couple of days, guess whose job it's going to be? Not yours. We love to claim ownership, and And, it's such, and if you think about it, the idea of that something is mine, like that, we, that we lay claim to something, something is mine, is, is very rudimentary. Because even like one-year-olds, as soon as they learn how to talk, what do they do? They lay claim to everything, mine. Like it's hilarious watching my wife try to have her own drink. Because the kids continuously come up and it's like, this is mine. They take her cup and they'll run off with it and hide because they want her drink. And we can fix them their own drink. It doesn't matter what cup it's in. They want yours. Like The idea of laying claim to something and possessing something starts as a baby, as an infant. And for us to have the mindset as mature adults to to say that we would ever own something is almost infantile. You know, there's a lot of really cliche verses that we can use, and I tried not to use. I'm I'm trying my best not to use cliche verses in this series as we go. But in Job chapter one, you know, you have this man that that by God's word was the most righteous man in all the earth, and he was blameless. He had done nothing wrong, and and there there. Actually, God challenged Satan in this. You just have to go back and you read Job. And this is just chapter 1. We're not even getting into chapter 2. But In chapter 1, God gives Satan the ability to take everything from Job that he had, all his wealth, all his possessions. I mean, Job was extraordinarily wealthy for that day and time. And it was all taken from him in a moment. And you look at the attitude of Job in chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. It says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. He was sad. He had every right to be. You get everything taken away from you, it's okay to be in grief. All right? just want to say that. But then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. So even in the midst of all that he had been taken from him, he fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. There is a complete different mindset of the people that you read about in Scripture versus the mindset of the people that we read about in magazines and the people we're looking at according to how to like we live our lives today and comparing ourselves to one another. If you want to follow God, if you want to live for God and have a good relationship with Him, and serve Him, and honor Him, then we need to have more of the attitude of the people that we read about in Scripture that exemplify what it means to follow God rather than just looking at the people down the street or what we've been told our whole lives. Like Some, some of us in this room may have to have a complete mind reset in thinking about this. The fact that we own nothing. Because God is the giver of everything. And when you look at people in Scripture who love God and honor God, they completely understood that they own nothing. It's a point number two. Everything belongs to God. It's like, well, duh, that only makes sense. If we own nothing, everything belongs to God. It's like, well, that, that you might get that and some people might not. There are people around the world who do own absolutely nothing. And they see everyone else who owns everything that they want. And so like you think about you're sitting here this morning and you kind of have this mindset of, I would like to have this car, I'd like to have this house or this land or this job or this thing. It's like, how do I get that? And so you look at someone else who has it and you start trying to mimic them in order to get some of the things that you want. But in reality, it's like you have to remind yourself, God's the one that owns everything. So if I want something, if I, if I want something, if I desire something, should I be mimicking other people who might have that for this moment in time in life right now? Or should I be going to the one who created it and made all things and can give it to me? If he wants me to have it. Because if you go to your heavenly father, something that you really, really think that you want might be something that you really don't want or you don't need. And it's not God's plan for your life. And guess who's the only one who can tell you that? God. And so you think it just makes sense, but just reminding yourself, I own nothing, but everything belongs to God. If I want something, I need to go to the one that it belongs to in order to get it. Because the world looks at things like, well, that's mine. That's that infantile mentality of, I want what you have. And so most of the world goes out and takes what other people have in order to get it for themselves. And that's the most evident sin that you can see. But the sin that we don't see is the coveting, where we just sit around and we look at other people and we want what they have and we're trying to figure out. And so we might get a little bitter... And trying to get it, not figuring out how we can get what they have. But in James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, James writes and he says, So don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts shifting shadows. He chose to give birth to us by giving us the true word, and we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. We own nothing, and God owns everything. And we, out of all creation, are His prized possession. We belong to God. And that doesn't sound very good. Like, we don't like the idea of that. But you go back to Psalm 24 and you look at verse 1 and you look at what David, who was a man after God's own heart, wrote about all these things. He said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to Him. Say with me this morning. I belong to God. Say it again. I belong to God. And for some people... It might be torture for you to say that, but if you really love Jesus, to humble yourself and to come to that point where you understand, like, I belong to God, that should be comforting. It should be something where you feel like acknowledging that and humbling yourself to acknowledge that I belong to God should be one of the most comforting and freeing things that we can experience. Another passage of Scripture for you is 1 Chronicles 29, 12. And this passage is when David uh, kind of stirs the people of Israel, and he's getting ready to start collecting all the materials that he needs so his son Solomon can build the temple. And all these people start bringing all this gold and silver and bronze and all these crazy things in order to build this temple. And it's a, really, it's this amazing thing. <clears throat> so David begins to praise the Lord in 1 Chronicles twenty nine twelve, and he says, Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Yeah. It's all to God's discretion. And so, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. If you don't believe in Christ and if you're teetering on this idea of whether or not you believe in Christ, there's not a whole lot I can say to you in this that's going to convince you that, that this is the right thing to do. You have to be a believer in Christ for this to even like mean anything for you, for you to be willing to step out on faith and live according to this way. All right? So as a believer this morning, I'm speaking to you as a believer, because you're... you if you're not a believer, you may not even believe in scripture, you may not even believe what it read about David. But you might be here this morning, you may have accomplished a lot in this life. Like like you you might have worked really hard to get where you are today. How many of you worked really hard to get where you are today? <clears throat> it's all right, you can raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah, like like you have, hopefully you have. All right, most people would like to think, I've worked hard during my life, right? How many of you have sacrificed things in this life to, to get other things or to get where you are right now? It's okay, you can raise your hand. <coughs> because that's, that's a reality. Scripture talks about that. We're going to talk about more about stuff like that in the coming weeks. But to understand today... They're like, yes, you may have worked hard. Yes, you may have accomplished a lot. Yes, you may have sacrificed in order to get where you are. Where you are. But the understanding of... Just the sheer understanding of the fact that you were able to work hard is a gift from God. Like, not everybody can work. Like, it's a gift. The, the, the idea that you can sacrifice things now in order to get something great later on and not a lot of people are willing to sacrifice and don't understand that concept and so you may have sacrificed a lot to get where you are today but the understanding too that the ability to sacrifice and make that decision is a gift from god because there are people out there who have nothing to sacrifice in order to get better it's all a gift And no matter what you've done or what you've accomplished or how hard you worked or how much you've sacrificed, I think it's pretty fair to say this morning, when you compare yourself to someone like David, who who has written many passages that we read in Scripture, and say that you've never slayed a giant. Anybody in here ever slayed a giant? You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm willing to bet no one in here has done any of the things I'm about to read. But you raise your hand and you correct me if I'm wrong. You've never slayed a giant. Anybody ever killed a bear or lion with a club? Just want to make sure Eli's not about to raise his hand. <laughs> Any of you ever killed tens of thousands of men? Like, not just. And when you start looking at military stuff and like statistics and, and things like that, it's pretty significant for someone to get in double digits in confirmed kills. But for David to be given credit for tens of thousands of men. Like there were songs sung about him and scripture written where he had killed tens of thousands of men. Any of you ever played an instrument for a king to also ward off evil spirits while the king was trying to kill you? Nobody? I'm just wondering. Any of you ever married a princess? <laughs> I have nothing to say. <laughs> How many of you have ever been the king of a nation? <clears throat> ever offered thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sacrifices, taking the lives of thousands upon thousands of thousands of animals to honor the Lord? It's kind of like, ah, we don't do that stuff today. But it's like, you know, what else in your life would have accumulated the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sacrifices in that way? Any of you ever helped move the Ark of the Covenant? Any of you ever danced in worship and praise to the Lord to the point where your clothes fell off? I probably would have heard about it. Any of you ever been denied <clears throat> your most extravagant effort to try to worship God? Because David got to the point where he was living in his palace and he he was convicted. Because he said, Here I am living in this, this amazing palace, and God is in the, and the ark, is still out there dwelling in a tent. And so he goes to the Lord and he says, God, I want to build you a tabernacle, a permanent dwelling place because I'm convicted of what I have and you should have better. And God says, you can't because you're stained. You're not good enough. And God tells David, it's like, you've killed too many men. You're too stained for this. I appreciate the gesture, but you're not the man to do it. And David graciously says, okay, If I can't do it, then screw this, I'm going home. He didn't say that. He started collecting all the materials and everything that they would need to build the temple so that the next person coming along would be able to build it. Because that was his heart. You know, many of us, if we felt rejected by God or we felt rejected by the church or we felt rejected by the pastor or, you know, anybody... It was like, I'm going home, taking my ball, leaving. But David didn't do that. And in fact, David even made treaties with foreign nations. Anybody ever make a treaty with a foreign nation? He made treaties with foreign nations to ensure that all the materials that they would need to build the temple would be there. And then he gave his own private treasures of gold and silver to make sure that the construction of the temple could be completed. And you go back and you read or 1 Chronicles 29 and it talks about the hundreds of tons of gold that David gave so that the temple could be built. And if you look up what gold is an ounce right now, you do the math. David did more than you and I could ever think or dream of. And so this morning, if you're a believer in Christ and you believe in God and you believe in God's word, and you think about somebody like David who did and had and accomplished significantly more than we could ever think or dream of and was willing to acknowledge that God was the creator and the giver and the author, and he's the one who ordains who gets stuff, and he's the one who determines who has the power and authority, that if he had that mindset, how much more should you and I have it? Point number three. We're managers. At best, we're managers. If you read scripture, most of the time it refers to uh, servants of Christ as, as slaves, servants, and at best, managers. But as stewards, we are simply managers, we are responsible for taking care of the things of God and glorifying and honoring him through that to bring glory and honor to his name. First Corinthians chapter 4 verses 2 through 3, Paul talks about his calling to the church, his calling as an apostle. And he says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. And so here's another little gold nugget for you this morning. If Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, traveled over 10,000 miles, planted more churches and started more churches than anyone else in the history of the world, is willing to sit here and write this down to the Corinthians and say, When it comes to following God and being a steward, a manager of what he has called me to do, it doesn't matter to me what you think or what the church thinks or what anybody else thinks. It doesn't even matter what I think because I don't trust my own self in this. That it might be good for us this morning to take a step back and say, my opinion and thought process and understanding and realization of what it means to truly follow Christ and be a good steward with what he's given me may not be adequate according to what God truly wants from me. And you would be in a lot healthier place if you would take a step back and say that, than you would be if like, yeah, I totally get this and I'm doing a great job. Chances are, we may be doing really good in some areas and really screwing up in others. And I can, I can promise you, if you really love Jesus this morning, you're not sitting here and you're not trying to find a way to skirt around this thing and do a poor job and get by with as little as possible, if you really love Jesus, your heart is naturally going to want to do the very best that you can to serve and honor and glorify God. So we should hunger and thirst for that and not run from it. Every person who's called by God, every single person is called to be a steward. And then you look at Matthew 25. (coughs) Verses 14 through 15, as Jesus tells the parable of the three servants or the parable of the talents. And Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Just to kind of give you a heads up on what it is the man going on a long trip, that's Jesus, okay? He's leaving, but one day he's going to return. So he calls his servants together, that's us, we're servants, and he entrusts his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. And so even the understanding that that as, as followers of Christ, Jesus has left us with this responsibility and obligation to care for the kingdom, to be responsible for His church, to be responsible for His ministry. And when you look at it, everything from money to possessions to your time to your talents to everything that encompasses your life is all part of your ability to contribute and and, and give to the building of the kingdom of God. And the parable directly references to that. Whatever you do, we should have the attitude that we do it for Christ. Even from a job perspective, we're going to talk about work, our job. But even from a job perspective, like you might hate your job. You might despise everything about your job or where you work or what it is that you're doing or whatever Circumstances you're in life, but you're called to represent Christ. Colossians got ahead of myself. The only problem with all this is like how we choose to use the things that God's given us. Because the truth is like, however you use the things that God has given you. It's like it's gonna be one of two things. You're either gonna be rewarded or you're gonna be punished for it. So point number four, we will be rewarded or punished. Guys, I feel like we, we talk about this a lot, but I feel like as Christians, a lot of times people try to we try to avoid this or not think about it because it's intimidating. Like it scares us a little to think about Judgment Day, to think about like what's going to happen when we stand before Christ. Because I, I I think generically, like we all feel like we fall short. Like we all feel like we're not living exactly like we should. We all feel like there's sin in our lives. There's something that we need to work on. We need to grow in, which is true. We all do. God all God wants us to grow. God wants us to grow closer to Him. He wants us to be better stewards. Okay, so if there's anything you feel convicted about or you feel like there's something in your life that you're falling short in, that's okay. The only problem comes is when you stop seeking God and allowing him to help you move beyond this. When you stop allowing yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overcome the thing that you know is there, that's whenever there's an issue. So so seek God, allow him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. But to understand that one day we will stand before Christ and we will give an account is important for all things. To know that one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account for your talents, your ministry, your stuff, your time, your money, the people in your life. like We're going to have to answer for all those things. And that's so humbling, like t- t- the idea, that even like we talk about this as, as a staff, like one day we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for how we, how we led this church because we're not permanent entities here. We're only here for a short amount of time. And so for however long we're here, however long we're serving in this capacity, we have to give an account for that. God will want us to give an account for that. In Colossians chapter three, verses twenty, um, chapter three, verses twenty three through twenty five, Paul writes to the church in Colossians, and he says, "Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master that you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. And so, in all things, like with with taking." What God has blessed you with and, and realizing today, you with me? paying attention because we're, we're getting ready right in. Realizing today that whatever situation and circumstance that you are in life, it may not be ideal to you, but it is exactly where God wants you to be right now. Your financial status, the car that you drive, the house that you own, the clothes you wear, to your job. You may hate your job. You may despise what you're doing right now. But to understand that God has put you here for a reason, for this moment in time. And it may simply be something as simple as going back to the parable of the talents or the parable of the, man, the guy who went away on a trip and left them with the money according to their talents that Maybe God just needs to see that you're going to be faithful with what you have, with what he's given you before he gives you something else. And this is not a matter of, of prosperity because, again, everyone likes to think in relation to money because the story kind of mentions money. But it could be anything. I mean, like when you start talking about the ability to, to lead and influence people, it's like, well, how are you leading and influencing the people that you have in you right now? Like you you want to be a leader? You you, you want to have authority over people? How are you exercising that and honoring Christ right now where you are in order for him to entrust you to lead more people or the ideal number that you want to lead or to have the ideal job that you want to have? It's like, oh, I'd love to have a big house to host one day or something like that. Well, it's like, how are you hosting in the home that you're in now? You may not live in a mansion, but you can be a gracious host. You might love to have a nicer car, but like, what are you using your car for? Because from my experience, people who are walking down the road don't care what kind of car you have. They'd love to just have a ride anyway. It's like the understanding of how we're using the things that we are living in this moment, how we're using that to honor Christ, will greatly determine what He will trust us with in the future as we continue to live and to serve Him. We're all stewards. Whether you realize it or not, like nothing that you have is yours. You may not have come to that realization yet. I hope you have. If you haven't, I hope you come to it soon. Because it's not. It's not ours. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This whole idea of this is mine, that I own this, that I possess this, that's what leads us to not sow in seeds. That's what leads us to look internally and focus on our own kingdom and not on the things of God. But people who are willing to give and to sow those seeds, those are the people who will reap generously. And the truth is, How you steward what you have right now is a worship of some form. And the question is, is are you worshiping God with how you are using the things that you have in your life? Because if you're not using them to worship God, the next likely person that you're worshiping is yourself. You're probably not out worshiping idols or worshiping other people But more than likely, you're using the things in your life to benefit and advance yourself, which is self-worship. That's the closest you can get to Satan. His whole idea was to elevate himself. And so in the idea of stewardship, you really need to understand that more than likely, you're doing one of two things. You're using the things in your life to glorify yourself And to advance yourself or using things in your life to glorify God and advance God and His kingdom. And God's the one that we should be striving for. He's the one that we should be living for. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to say that we love you today. And God, I I really do believe that there are so many people who want to serve you. They want to live for you. They want to show you how much they love you. And Lord, so many times we just don't know how. Father, I pray that as we continue on in the next several weeks talking about how to honor you and glorify you through the things that you've given us, Lord, I pray that we would just clear our mind, clear our hearts, and, and Lord, just allow you to help us think in a totally new way, to realize that we are not owners, that you own everything, that we're just managers of it, and God, there's reward or punishment waiting according to how we do this. So, Lord, help us to honor and glorify you. Help us to give all these things to you because you gave them to us. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.